Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 67 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thanks very much for joining us, as always. Um, thank you very much to Rosie Mags, who uh, was with us last week, talking about history and gangsters and flappers and uh, what else was it? It was a lot of stuff. It was a lot of stuff. Forgotten women in, hi- women in history. And go and check out our magazine. Uh, it's the Historians uh, magazine. It is uh, on Instagram. You'll find it there. Uh, she's also history um, history at Rosie and uh, Instagram too. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it will be important for the people who are listening to this on Spotify and Apple. This might be one where you might want to switch over to YouTube just for this one. And you can pop back to then, you know. But if you're over here now and you haven't been here yet, hit subscribe. It won't do any harm to anyone. Um, we'll be doing some Facebook Live and Instagram Live stuff uh, coming up in the week ahead. Um, I, we'll keep you posted, obviously, the day before we do it. And that. Listen, we're going to get into our guest this week. Um, he is a magician and the presenter on Abracadabra on RT Junior. And his name is Joe Daly. How are you doing, Joe? Eric, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good now. I, I, I'm, I was go- Look, I've been thinking about this joke all day and I thought, will I, will I say this? And then, do you know, and do you know what? Do you know what, Joe? I'm going to say it. And I wonder if you heard this before. Has anybody ever said to you, I wish you could do something magic to change the weather? Absolutely. That or the most popular one when I go in to do just say a kid's birthday. Back in the good old days when I went, you used to go into people's houses and do kids' birthday parties. <laughs> Regular, honestly, it was about, you know, uh, the father, you said, oh, you couldn't make the, the wife disappear, could you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough as well. But yeah, it was it was up in mind because the weather, uh, just for people who are listening to this, this is being recorded on the 4th of May and it's cold and we're lighting the range downstairs. And I thought the range was going to be done for for like, you know, until, you know, October, November time. But it's not. But that's OK. I'm in a warm room yeah. and I hope you are too, Joe. Yeah, um, yes. Well, listen, Joe, could you give us a short history of your upbringing, please? Okay, so I was uh, born and raised in Rohini in Dublin. Um, and I got into magic when I was six years of age, when I went to see Paul Daniels and uh, when we were on holidays to the uh, really exotic location of Blackpool. in <laughs> nice. And uh, he was playing in the winter gardens over there. I remember... There was uh, myself, my brother, mom and dad, and we sat up the front row. My dad was a bit of a magic enthusiast, okay. um, as in we used to watch Paul Daniels. He never did any magic. He was a bank manager, but I just always had a, like, he, he would watch magic when it came on the TV. And we always obviously watched Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels was like the equivalent of Dynamo or David Blaine of his, uh, of, of his day and back in the 1980s. So I um, went to see him there and he brought me up on stage. Uh, oh, it's only a kid, six, six, I was six or seven, and they uh, brought me up on stage for a trick. At the end of the trick, I can't even remember what it was, but at the end of the thing, I got a Paul Daniels magic set from him on stage. Oh, nice. you know, oh there you go. And these are also available in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was got me magic set, and it was that moment, whatever I was just like, oh my god, this is I devoured the magic set, mm. like completely devoured it. And from pretty much then on. I got magic sets for Christmas birthdays. I couldn't get enough of the stuff. And it was, it was kind of harder. Like, you, you know, there wasn't all the internet stuff and you could buy anything mm. you wanted. It was back then, it was either like you had, I, I don't know, uh, some toy shops that sell magic sets and it wouldn't be that huge selection. So I used to try and get magic books from the library. Remember, and there was a huge amount of magic books in the library. So it was kind of a lot of self-taught magic mm. um, since I was a kid. And I just never, ever, ever grew out of it. I just, I never, it wasn't just a phase of, of doing magic. It's just yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here doing it. 
it's funny one of those uh you know we talk about things like guitars okay so you get your first guitar when you're like a kid or uh, you get a skateboard and i guess magic set would come along with that where it's either going into the press or into the cupboard and you're never seeing it again or you're becoming you're completely enveloped by the whole kind of idea of it 100 percent, and i think a huge part part of it for me was i was a really shy kid now i was mm. painfully shy as a kid um and magic i was able to stand up easily and perform at now you're initially just for my my parents and family at home and then friends out out in the street but it gave me something that I could do. And I think I hid behind the mask of, mm. you know, oh, I can do this. And I almost put on a performance and then I would just kind of go back into myself a little bit, being kind of quiet, quiet, shy Joe. But when I was doing magic, I wasn't. And I think it was, it was pro- maybe looking back on it now, it was probably that that really was even more powerful than mm. it was. It was allowing me to be me a little bit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, Joe, when when did you this is the the question that goes back to episode one. When did you first become aware of mental health? Actually, you know what? I really didn't become really that aware like of mental health. Probably I was only thinking about this today. It was probably about only four or five years ago, which Mm. is kind of bizarre. And it was I have a really good friend of mine who who opened up to me one day and I, I remember I said, oh, are we going out? We're meeting for coffee, whatever. And he just, he said, I actually just can't, I just can't go, can't get out of bed. And I was like, and he, he look, oh, I'll tell you. And we, he told me, yeah, and I never knew he suffered from depression. And then, um, and I remember we went out a few, good few times after that, just talking about it. And it kind of, it was kind of eye opening for me because mm. I, you know, obviously you hear about people suffering, but I it never, and thankfully I, I never suffered from it for myself. And I never really knew anyone around me or, you know, I never knew. And then it was just, he just told me and I was like, wow. And then, you know, that was probably, and it was very late to life learning about mental health, really. You know, I lived in a kind of a little bubble, I think. Oh, look, Joe, I don't think it's a particularly kind of shocking to me that, you know, people are still only kind of learning about it. It's not, (laughs) it's been talked about more. We get that. And I I do think I would say on your, uh, for you, I would say, for your friend to be able to tell you that though it says something for for you you know yeah. and the kind of relationship you had between the two that he could because uh particularly with guys we mentioned that a lot on this podcast uh it is just a little bit seems to be a little bit more difficult for them to kind of turn around to their friends and say look because he hadn't really told many people um mm. and i know i was one of the first person obviously his partner knew um but i like uh, none of our like because we have a share a lot of the same friends nobody i mean like they know now because it's it's i think it's talked about an awful lot more but i was one of the first kind of friends he kind of confided in you know it's almost like you know someone coming out or something it was like oh, it's okay car we can you know you know we, we 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 can go and we we can talk about it you know yeah exactly yeah that's what that's what it's about anyway it's just about if someone does reach out to you just to know to turn around and say well, that's that's fine and we can yeah. we don't need to go out to get a coffee or whatever we can i can call over to your house and have a chat and that's yeah. you know it's it's perfect um so the 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 whole thing uh, it's funny you, you mentioned paul daniels right because when i was i've i spoke to a hypnotherapist and, and made a mess of of a part of the interview but not purposely it was completely uh, accidental but we talked about my idea of a hypnotist, which is obviously a lot different than a hypnotherapist, which I found out on that day. Um, but a, a hypnotist, I had the idea of in the 80s and 90s when I was growing up, we had these uh, hypnotists on stage 
and they get people to you know walk you know bark like a chicken you know that you know that kind, you know you've and seen one, it I, I i i even know one of the main hypnotists back in the day was a guy named barry sinclair and uh he absolutely toured the country and paul golden toured the country and you know this you know you're under like yeah and like that's a whole yeah you're right and it was a huge thing yeah it was it was massive and you know that the, the almost there's a there's a character in Little Britain where, who does that look look not around the eye look at you guys that to me was the their kind of take on the eighties you know um, hypnotist but when it comes to magicians and you've like I said you Paul Daniels was very very big everybody in Ireland and England will know Paul Daniels and, and his sidekick De- Debbie McGee obviously as well um what you were you said you were six when you saw him was that right yeah yeah yeah. What was like for a six-year-old going in? Because obviously you weren't into magic then. You were, you know, obviously very. I watched magic on TV, so I knew who he okay. was. Oh, you knew who he was. Okay. Yeah. So you, as you were going in, you knew who he was. But what was the difference from, if you can remember, what was the difference uh, between Joe, young Joe walking in and young Joe walking out? Oh, there's no like one when Joe walking. It was just full of excitement and enthusiasm because I'm going to be a magician. <laughs> yeah. I've got new superpowers and I'm going to develop them. And this is like a whole new, and it, kind of, it kind of came true in a kind of a way because it did become a transformed my life. Yeah. And, and I love what you said there actually about, you know, be having something that other people didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, often you hear uh, people talk about that who are, maybe they're quite young and they can play the guitar. They're quite young. They can do magic. They're quite young. They, they're funny. Like there yeah. was, a, there's another thing that people have, and when they get people laugh, laughing, they have a kind of uh, almost invincibility about them where they can yes. just kind of relax. So you were quite shy. Yes. Do you Very remember, though? Shy. Not just shy, painting. Oh, painting. but do you, so do you remember the feeling then when you did start? Because obviously, I know, I know you said you performed in front of your parents, but when you started performing in front of people outside the house, do you remember how it felt to do yeah, that? Yeah, I can, I can actually pinpoint it. I remember the very first show I did was in front of my class in school. Ooh. And this is a good few years after when I was six. I remember um, I, I had a parent-teacher association, a parent-teacher meeting. My mother told the teacher that, oh, Joe does magic. And um, the teacher said, oh, well, I wonder what you do in front of the class. And I remember mom came home to me and said, look, would you do a few tricks in front of the class one of the days? And normally, I think she was probably expecting me to go, oh, God, no, no, I'm not doing any. Oh, oh, okay. And I did. I remember going in and being so nervous and stuff. But I, I, I remember standing in front of the class doing doing the tricks. And um, I can re- even remember two of the actual tricks I did. And I remember the reactions they got. They were. Just, I remember they were all trying to look at my bag afterwards. And the teacher had to mind my bag because my magic tricks <laughs> were in the bag. They were. But. I remember they were they were all trying to work out how I did it and they were all talking, but they were they were of a standard where they just had like they read most of them just hadn't a clue how I did it. Mm. And uh, I I felt I was on top of the world from there. And I mean, oh my god, this is great. And it actually became a yearly thing. Like and then it went into school talent shows and it just like it just formed from the school. But that that um gave me a really sense of confidence and it gave mm. me a sense of achievement even and a sense of because I was never one of the cool guys. I was never on the athletics team or football or anything like that. But the one thing I could do now was magic. I think that's I think that's deadly to be honest with you. Um, we 
uh, there's a whole thing about nerves and performing. Do you think nerves are a good thing before you perform? Yes, to an extent, yeah. yeah. Um, I think you have to have it. It gives you an edge. And you hear that about actors and actors. It, does, has to, it gives you an edge. And I think when you go out um, before, like the worst nerves are obviously just the moments before you go mm. on stage or, uh, or on. The, but as soon as you're out there, then they dissipate. But I think you need those nerves just to kind of get yourself in yeah. performing. You should like you wouldn't want to be nervous during performance, especially mm-hmm. with magic. I mean, because a lot of magic, especially when you perform for adults, is quite dexterous and you can't be shaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But once you're out there, it's but it, it's those few moments of terror beforehand, you know. And it's yeah. just certain shows you do get where you just get, oh why am I doing this? This is <laughs> and then you're once you're doing it, you're loving it, you're on top of the world, but you have to feel that fear. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I talked to a few performers and stuff and it seems to be across the board of that idea of, you know, the, the, the nerves are a good thing as long as you can keep them under control when you're out there. And obviously more important for someone like yourself, Joe, who, like you said, has to do a lot of hand, uh, you know, dexterity is the word I'm looking for. Um, could you actually, you, could you show us something there, Joe, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, let's read your mind. Okay, right. This should be good. Okay, so you know what? Being a magician, I'm contractually obliged to have a deck of cards in my person at all times. So right now I have a deck of cards. But what I'm going to do is out of shot, you can't see it. I'm going to take a card out of this deck, just one card. I'm going to take the card out. I'm going to turn it over and I'm going to put it back in the deck upside down. Right now, I'm going to keep this deck in full view. I'm going to hold it at fingertips just at the corner. There's one card the wrong way around in that deck. I want you to choose a card, Derek, but... I don't want you to necessarily go for an obvious card. If you look at the front of that box, there's a spade on it. A lot of guys might go, oh, ace of spades. Or you know what? If there was women, I might ask them, oh, queen of diamonds. It might be an obvious choice. So after this is done, I do not want you to think or anyone listening to think, I bet you everybody says that same card. Mm. So I want you to change your mind a few times and just arrive at what you believe is a fairly random card in the deck. Now, you can go with the ace. You can double bluff. You can go with a queen if you want. But I want you to, just once you're happy with your decision, yeah. You have a card that there's no real way I can influence you to choose. Okay, and, I think I've got a card, I think. Now, if we were live, I'd give you this deck of cards mm-hmm. and I'd ask you to oh, tell me what the card was and I'd ask you to open up the box and plant through the cards and take out the card that's the wrong way around. But obviously, we can't do that. So I'm going to do this as fair as I can. I'm going to do it at fingertips. So, Derek, what card are you thinking of? Five of hearts. Now I'm going to ask you a question. I'm only going to ask you once. Would you like to change your mind? No. Five of hearts, you said. Yeah. At fingertips, I'm going to do this. Take the deck of cards. Take the cards out of the box. Box is obviously completely otherwise empty. I'm going to fan through the cards. And you're going to see one card and one card only turned mm-hmm. over in that deck. Genuinely? Is that the yep. only card the wrong way around? That's it, yeah. And at fingertips there. You take the card up, take it out, turn it over to show you that it is a course. Come on. <laughs> yeah i know i love i love it it's great i can and you know what like we because we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the interview but i thought right like he's he's confident he looks confident right he looks confident so you you start to think about yourself will i mess will i will i mess around with it myself and my own that was excellent joe thank, thank, thank you very much now do you know what i'm gonna have to do now like I could have to really read an advert and uh, with a lot of excitement in my voice, I will say. But like, actually, sorry, I should ask it. Is that a, a kind of an older trick for you? Is that something you do a lot? 
that one there was developed um, primarily for Zoom. It was a trick you you could do live. I didn't do it live. Hmm. It wasn't a trick I was actually confident enough to do live. But okay. it, because it works so well over Zoom, I really had to knuckle down and learn it properly. I love it. When I, I go actually... back to live shows, that's got to be that's got to be one of the main things I do all the time. Now, yeah, because yeah, I'm going to actually ask you about uh, the idea of new tricks and how they come about. Sure. Um, let me fly through this. Um, I'm wearing the jumper today representing all the time uh fusion training center monksland at long a place to train in brazilian jiu-jitsu kickboxing martial arts and crossfit a great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community if you want to join the team find us on facebook at fusion training center or drop in for a chat fusion training center train like a warrior we will be by the time this episode comes out actually um we will have some activity, uh, outdoor activities for people who are able to train in CrossFit and stuff, which is very exciting because it's taken a very, very long time. Um, so we've spoken a bit about Paul Daniels. Who were some of your other influences when you were growing well, my up, Joe? biggest influence then after Paul Daniels was David Copperfield. Right, I remember him, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know what? David Copperfield is still going strong, is still the wealthiest uh, entertainer, I think, in the world. He's a, pretty much a billionaire at this stage, and he wow. is in Vegas, and he does 500 shows a year. I remember he used to do, like, these massive spectacles on TV, and it was almost too much for my mind to handle when he was on the television. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy the kind of – because when I picture him, I think of, like, charisma and, like, dazzle and stuff. Did, did that draw you to him? Oh, he was he was my main influence in Magic mm. because I discovered him. It was a few years after Paul Daniels. I really discovered David Copperfield, and he was just, in my opinion, in a world of his own. This guy was the coolest and most amazing illusionist I had ever seen because I would classify David as more of an illusionist and Paul Daniels is more of a magician. Yeah. There's a slight difference between two, but um, I just thought this guy was just, and he really did influence my whole uh, performance style actually uh, for even still. Um, do, do, when, when I think of uh, what we've been talking about, the early magicians and what we, what we kind of see now on, on TV and moving through the nineties and two thousands, what have been, um, what have you seen as the big changes when it comes to magic over the last few years? Well, the biggest change was the the uh, the from uh, David Blaine coming on mm. TV. The street magic, the street magic, and close up magic has become just huge because I can remember back even like you're going back even 15 years ago, the idea of having a magician at your wedding or going around doing mm. hard tricks of mind was like what I didn't know, or a drinks reception or a corporate event. And then David Blaine came on the scene and started doing street magic, close-up magic. And then the whole magic industry just blew up with these guys, including myself, offering oh, close-up magic at weddings. And it just and it's 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 so popular now. It's just mm. like so. And he re, and it was pretty much down to David Blaine doing street magic. He was uh, when he arrived on 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 the scene. We had. Uh, you talk like we, we say about David Copperfield, I suppose, and and Phil uh, Paul Daniels. Sorry, nearly said Finn, Phil Daniels. That's Park Life um, and EastEnders. But that idea of this huge charisma and and it was about uh, not just the magic or the spectacle, but about the showmanship kind of thing. David Blaine was kind of the opposite 
uh, of those. <laughs> he was like anti uh, anti charisma, wasn't he? Absolutely, complete opposite. Complete yeah. opposite. Like you'd look at it and go, "Well, there's no budget in this." Where you David Copperfield, Paul Allen, these big sets and mm. dancers and boxes and illusions and you know, big like making the Statue of Liberty disappear and uh, walking through the Great Wall of China. That was David Copperfield. Yeah. Didn't David Blaine literally walking down the street with a deck of cards and a few coins, elastic bands, and just blowing people away. Like the production of making a David Copperfield special uh, to making a David Blaine special, the budget was be just phenomenally different, you know. Uh, have you seen his? Have you seen his thing on that when he does on the? Um... This morning, or one of those, yeah, it was. Yeah, but Eamon Holmes, or he's just. But he, I, I, that's just part of. I think, like he's not like that. I met him, and oh uh, really? Yeah, I actually met them all, and actually David Blaine was one of the nicer ones. Paul Daniels was. Can I say the word an absolute dick? You can. Uh, <laughs> David Copperfield was worse, um, but uh, David Blaine was actually just a cool guy, just a really ordinary, normal, cool guy. So the yeah. you think the idea of on the show then is is just like a show? Oh, it's an act. It's, an, yeah. it's it, like and that whole Eamon Holmes thing is was that was I think he just did it I think for the publicity because yeah. the guy's a genius at like uh, publicity and stuff. And uh, but he's like no, he's not like that. He's actually a cool guy normally. Yeah, and and um, when Dynamo came out because you obviously mentioned Dynamo already, he he seems to be more David Blaine side of things. They, he's 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 a mix I think of David Blaine. Mixed, mixed in with, with, with David Copperfield in the illusions kind of spectacle right. thing he yeah. um, and that, that actually came from another guy who was kind of uh, who was a predecessor to Dynamo a guy by the name of Chris Angel who was an American kind of street magician stroke illusionist so he was like the mix of Copperfield and uh, David Blaine kind of and then Di- um, Dynamo came out of that I think it, the English version of him it became phenomenally successful yeah, he's he's huge now. He is, and uh, it's it's all it really is um, a, a, an art form that takes so many shapes, isn't it? And it, it's you know you're drawn in by uh, you're obviously drawn in with the magic, but there's a lot more that goes along with it. Where uh, where you similarly you could talk about music in that way, whereas you might be drawn in by the music, but sometimes you're drawn in by the mystique of the performer or the the charisma or or even the kind the, whether it's a true backstory or a or, or not so true backstory there's sure. that too what do you feel about uh what david blaine does when it becomes when he does those um you know feats of i don't know endurance and stuff like yeah, that for me i'll be honest with you i'm not mad on them mm. um there's endurance feats because they are endurance feats. Like what he's doing, you're, it's a guy pushing himself to the absolute limits. These yeah. aren't magic tricks, and they're, but they're amazing. But they're just like I, I'll be honest with you, they're not my cup of tea. I wouldn't be a huge mm-hmm. fan of those. I did enjoy the magic, and um, but those endurance feats were just like, no, it's not really magic to me. But it's amazing. Yeah. I appreciate it, but it's not really my style. I was the same with that when it came to David Bain. I really loved his magic, but when it came to that kind of stuff, I was just like, okay, he's just kind of obviously pushing himself to the extreme but it wasn't again not something that i was absolutely you know fascinated by yeah. um when did it for you when did it start to when did you start to think that it could become a career um i knew when i was in school um when i was in secondary school i uh, probably fifth year uh, i remember um it was i was thinking about going into tv production and mm. that kind of stuff and then I said, no, I'd actually much rather be a magician. I remember going to a career guidance teacher. I remember, I remember it well. And uh, he were doing these these mock interviews. 
And uh, he goes, well, you know, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a magician. And he laughed. He says, you can't be a magician. That's not a job. And I said, but I really want to do it. I, I think I can. He goes, no, no, you'd have to. And then I went, oh, well, I suppose I could work on TV. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. tell me more about it. And it was kind of a thing I thought about, said it to him. And he goes, yeah, that's much. You're not going to be a magician. That'd be ridiculous. You can't make a living do magic tricks. <laughs> so um, that's kind of stuck with me. And I kind of, in a way, I kind of was like, well, screw you. I can be a magician. And so... Um, uh, that was a moment uh, then in sixth year I was very lucky because when I was in sixth year in school I took an ad out in the golden pages um, if anybody remembers what the golden Old school yeah, yeah yeah and uh, I took an ad out in the golden pages uh, you know magician kids parties and I was the, I was out the door I was uh, actually in fifth year in school I was working on the Irish ferries going backwards and forwards to Hollyhead at the weekends doing magic shows on the really? on the boat for the kids at the weekend so there he was i was 16 17 doing these magic shows um and then in sixth year i was out doing kids birthday parties uh, a weekend's drive and i had a car and everything um wow. my own car that i bought myself um driving off the kids parties um and i it, it, then i knew i said i'm going to, I'm going to go to college because i remember saying to my parents i'm going to be a magician and they says joe you can do what you want mm. just go and get some sort of qualification ideally get yourself a degree once you have a degree you can do anything you want i mean mm. fair enough so i did marketing in college and uh because the whole idea was well i'm going to do something that's going to you know add 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 value to myself so if you study marketing i can market myself as a magician so you know win-win so went to college studied marketing doing kids parties left right and center at the weekend and um left college and it was just like boom that's it this is it here I am. I'm just like, there's no question about it now. This is, and I think my parents at that stage were like, okay, off you go to whatever. You're, you're making more money than I did. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And had, uh, I'm sure it, this goes without saying, but I want to ask anyway, did the marketing help along the way? Yeah, there? hugely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, completely. Like that, that's one thing I'd be really good at is selling myself. And that's yeah. came from, you know, my marketing degree is probably somewhat outdated now, but the, the, the whole idea of marketing and selling and publicizing and all that, I really got a lot out of it. And I, I certainly, when I came out of college, I went like all systems go. I went, you know, really hit the ground running and boom, straight in. I was one of the first magicians with a website. It was just because I was, it was mm. all yellow pages and I made the transition over to the website. No one else was on Google at the time. It was fantastic. I Googled it myself, looked on the magician. There I was. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's not that way anymore. Um, but yeah, so that was huge, huge, hugely influential. Yeah, that's deadly. Could you show us something else there, Joe? I know you've you've got the cards in your hands at all times, and I, I like time. that all time. So I'm going to show you something. Um, have you ever heard of ESP, extrasensory perception? I have. Okay, so these have absolutely nothing to do with magic, and I'm going to give you a little little history of ESP. ESP basically was invented back in the 1930s by a doctor. His name was Dr. Carl Zenner, and we used to test people demonstrated telepathic or a psychic ability. Derek, we're going to see how telepathic or how psychic you are. Okay. So we have five cards. We've got the circle. We've got the wavy lines. We've got the plus. We've got the square. And we have the star. Okay. So we're going to do the test exactly as it was done. Well, as close as we can to on Zoom. Um, exactly as it was done back in the 1930s. And I'm going to switch my camera here. So you're going to see that I have five cards in front of me here. Mm -hmm. I've got the circle, the wavy lines, the cross, the square, and the star. And I have these match up the cards. And this is exactly what the test was 
back in the 1930s. So the cards were matched up like this. So we had the exact match of each card like this. And the, the roll cards were then just turned over. And the participant then was, well, first of all, the cards were taken up, they were shuffled up, and the participant was then asked to place the cards back where they thought the match of those cards were. So okay. I'm going to shuffle these cards out of shot here. And they're going to bring them back one at a time. Wherever you want me to place each card, I'm going to place it. Don't let me influence you in any way, shape, or form. Where would you like me to place this card? We got the star, the square, the plus, the wavy lines, or the circle? Uh, plus. Plus, interesting. Okay. Where would you like the next one here? Um, wavy lines. Let's go with the wavy lines. Next one here, we got the star, the square, or the circle. I'll uh, go with the star this time, Joe. Star, interesting. Okay. And then we got the square or the circle? Um, circle. Okay, and then finally we got the, the uh, Derek Ward. They all your own complete choice. They were. Didn't influence you in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Would you like to swap any of those cards around? Would you like to stop swap the star with the square, the square with the wavy lines, the wavy lines with the plus? Of any combination, would you like to swap any of those around? No, I'm going to stick with those. I'm so happy you said that, but you did have the option of doing that because if you hadn't <laughs> had swapped, we wouldn't get an absolute perfect and exact. Oh, uh, that is. I mean. <laughs> I mean, who's the magician on that one? I don't. Is that me or you? <laughs> that is a good question. There's no magic there. That is purely your uh, your 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 telepathic psych. If back in the 1930s, you would have been burnt at the stake for that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's interesting, Joe? I was getting nervous as I was as I was saying them. I was thinking, oh, don't get them wrong. Like you know, I was getting... that, that is a huge factor that an awful lot of of magic tricks are also built around that premise. Like magic is extremely clever. The mm. guys who invent magic, usually this is kind of bizarre as well. Um, I couldn't invent a magic trick. I, I wouldn't know where to start. And there's a whole different kind of mind that invents magic tricks. And usually the inventors of magic tricks aren't performers of magic tricks. They invent them. They, they kind of give them out to the magic world or sell out, sell them out to the magic world. But um it's the, the psychology that goes into an awful lot of magic. Like that could go disaster, disastrous mm. wrong on loads of little things. But um, like as I'm talking to you, like I've, I've, I won't show you what I have around here, in my, but I have a huge repertoire of, of stuff I can pick on. So and that would go to so when I'm performing on a show, like I would know certain tricks that would work well with you and certain tricks I wouldn't even dream of doing with you. OK, can you. So when when you talk about the people inventing the ma uh, the magic tricks, yeah. um, you obviously see them for the first time. Can you kind of expand on them then, or is is it okay? So you expand. Yeah, yeah. So basically, an awful lot of the times you get the bare bones. You get right. this. This is what the trick is. You will match these cards up, and you get. But here's how to do it. Then you have to go off and practice it, and then you just put your own spin on it completely, mm. your own spin completely on it. Like they, like those cards are ESP cards, but they they didn't come out as ESP cards. They came out as colors, so you can match up the colors. So I said, well, I'm going to use ESP. The ESP is kind of different; it's magical. They never searched a little bit about ESP, and there were tests done like that. So you kind of embellish those stuff and those bits a little bit, you know. I'm glad it wasn't colors because I am slightly colorblind, and it could have been, it could have been some serious issues there, Joe. But yeah, I, 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 I never thought of of the idea of people inventing uh, a magic trick and then giving them to people they don't perform them themselves. Is that part? I'll, I'll, I'll say probably they don't give; they sell. Those oh, they sell. Yeah, I should have said sell. Obviously, <laughs> but like, is that like? I know this is, a, I don't know if it's, a, we, everybody knows the magic circle exists, obviously, but is that part of the magic circle then, or can you talk oh, about Oh, yeah, that? like there's, like, the, uh, I, I, you know, like these are purely sold to professional okay. 
entertainers like like you would you the, the, the layperson wouldn't know where to begin to get something like that you could google it all day and you wouldn't find it but when you're in the right you're connected to the right mm-hmm. uh, sites and the right things where you have to be a magician to to get in and you have to you know all that kind of stuff so um it's marketing purely to magicians and the the like the, the whole world wouldn't like the, re- the regular non-magician world wouldn't even be aware of it you know yeah. there's money to be made in inventing magic because if you come up with a brilliant trick every magician wants to do it yeah and, uh, like they'll download it they'll pay for the download they'll buy it they'll, you know it's just there's an awful lot of money to be made and so they probably don't need to perform because they make so much money if they're good enough yeah yeah and, it, and and maybe just the uh, you know the idea of performing to them is just the worst thing in the world that they could possibly do for themselves you yeah. know um typically i always got a lot of these guys that i was kind of imagine them as and yeah i know a lot of them uh, as kind of mad professors just kind of these mad kind of they're always thinking they're always but you couldn't put them in front of an audience they, <laughs> they're not there's very few that do both but yeah I, I understand i think i know what you mean actually with that um what is the difference between uh, performing uh, to kids and then to adults? Um, kids and adults perform. Okay, so you have kids will tell you as it is. Kids will, if they see how it's done, they'll tell you. And they, a lot of ma- kids' magic tricks are designed on that premise that you lead the kids up the garden path. You'll kind of hint, you know, you give, you might make make a mistake in inverted commas. Um, and then oh I know what you did and then they'll all get wound up about this and you'll carry on as if it's that's not how it's done and don't be silly and uh, for example I can show you a kid's magic trick yeah, right? go for, yeah, and yeah. I, 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 I do it and I explain the psychology to it behind it so here I have um, just a, a brown paper bag and inside the brown paper bag I have a full bottle of coke and it's a full real bottle of coke now what I'm going to try and do now is I'm going to make the Coke inside the bottle disappear. I'm not going to make the bottle of Coke disappear, just the Coke inside the bottle because it's quite difficult. So what I'm going to do is I place the, the Coke inside the brown paper bag. I click my fingers. Look, it really is still in there. It's full of Coke. Click my fingers again. And look at that. It is completely empty. I've taken out an empty bottle of Coke. Ah, now you say to the kids, are, oh, and there you go. Now I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking the same thing. You're all thinking, Joe. You're the greatest magician I've ever seen. Right, thank you. But you're also thinking, Joe, I bet you can't put the Coke back inside the bottle. Of course I can. No problem. Watch this. I put the empty bottle back inside the brown paper bag. I click my fingers. I take it out. And look at that. It is completely full of Coke again. Now, as an adult, you look at it. God, that's quite good. As a kid, they'll come straight away. There's an empty bottle inside the bag. There's a bottle in there. And you go, what? No, the bag is empty. You think there's another empty bottle inside the bag and I was just taking out an empty bottle and switching? No, not at all. They'll go mad. Go, no, no. Hold on. Uh, you know something? I'm going to check. Just let me check and make sure that there's nothing inside this bag. Yeah, the bag is completely empty. There's nothing inside the bag. And they go, no. I said, you know what? I'm going to turn it upside down. If there's anything inside the bag, it would fall out. Would that be fair? Yeah. Okay. Look at that. I'm turning <laughs> the bag upside down, completely empty. You're holding it. No, don't be silly. Well, you know what, boys and girls? I'm going to turn it around and prove that this is empty. And after this, you're going to go, yeah, that bag is definitely empty. Do you know why? Because on the other side of the bag, it says empty. Look, <laughs> why? Proving beyond any reasonable doubt that that bag is completely empty. No, no. And you go, well, you know what, boys and girls? I really am a magician. Ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, so, there's a few. Yes. Yeah. 
you're you know when you're doing that and you could you could do get five six minutes out of that pure kids going absolutely berserk i actually had to stop doing that particular one on zoom because it just got too mental <laughs> nice. too mental when you've like 20 30 kids looking at you or in some cases of a school of 100 kids now usually have most of them muted but you always have to have a little bit of feedback from kids yeah and uh, it just got too mental i actually can't you just get wound up so much you know but you, you see the kind of little principles in that where you're yeah. open you're kind of no no and they're they think no you're just this magician's an idiot he's, he's not getting what i'm trying to say to him you know and there's there's that um we were just talking myself and joe were just talking before uh, about and the idea that i had in my head of the whole idea of kids allowing it to be uh magic when they see the trick happen and adults see it as a trick and they need yeah. to figure it out yeah you'll you'll get that like where there's like obviously you can't have a whole kids magic show full of like oh we know you know you because mm. you, you do have to give them pieces of, obviously a lot of magic and i open up the when i because i tour a theater show for kids so i used to tour a theater show for kids before all this and you'd i'd open up to a lovely piece of music it was actually you, you, uh, intermingled james bond with classical music and where i rip up a newspaper and then right in front of them and i just do it all to music rip it up and then i just restore it back but you literally have <gasps> This kind of really stuff, and at the end of the show, I, I, I cut up a load of, or I, I tear up a load of tissue paper, and then um, I basically make it into confetti, and it, all this, it looks like snow coming out of my hands, and it's the most amazing music playing, and you literally just have the kids just like this, <laughs> out open looking, where you're doing it for adults, and I think adults are always, always, especially guys, uh, they're mm. always trying to work it out, how it's going, I'm not checking, I'm trying to shoot it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always this. I think it's always that kind of trying to work it out. But then after a while, like when you do a lot of uh, events where you're doing close-up magic at, at, at like say a wedding or something like that, you go up to a group and you, you start and it's the first maybe trick. And then a lot of times your guard drops and you go, oh, just, just do it, go on and then just get into it. And it, that's why it's very important of your opening effect for a lot of these when you go up to a group of people standing around drinking at a drinks reception, you basically interrupt them. Sorry, guys, stop whatever you're doing because I'm the magician here and I'm going to show you magic is ultimately what you're saying to them. So you got to hit them hard. And they'll be mm. kind of, all oh, right, okay. So you have to show them the right trick at the start. Mm. And then kind of let their guard down a little bit and so they can just kind of go with it as opposed to because you don't want to be you know don't want the adults to be in the mode of trying to just problem solve all the time yes yeah. just, just and usually it happens where you just after a while you just kind of sit back and relax and go right i have no clue how you're doing <laughs> yeah they just give up yeah, exactly. um would you would your um when you talked about uh you were shy um when you're quite young is there still an element of shyness to you or has the magic and, and your job helped? Oh, there still is, is there? There's still an element of shyness. Okay. 100%. Yeah, there would be kind of, uh, I would be kind of shy. and I, I But I'm I'm conscious of the fact that I can be shy and I can mm. turn turn on the the confident Joe when I yeah. want. But I, there's a lot of, like, yeah, there would be still kind of shy in a way, which is I don't think you ever lose that. You can put on all the bravado and all the stuff you want, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still quite aware that behind it, I can be quite shy. And it's it's funny and leading on to the the next bit. And you, how did the the uh, gig at RTE come about? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's ridiculously <laughs> simple. Ridiculously simple. Um, I uh, went and I did a birthday party, and I got a phone call to do a birthday party out of the blue in a house for uh, kids. I went along, did the house. Uh, father was there filming all the kids and zooming. It was real. And then he goes, "Oh, I work in a, I have a TV production company." Because this is just amazing. After the show, we were chatting. Because this, I 
this is just phenomenal. Like the reaction of my mother, who's in her 80s, running around the place laughing at kids. So she didn't film you at all. I was just filming the reactions of the kids. And uh, I think he said this would be great for RT Junior because they, they specialize in kids in kids entertain and kids television. Mm. And I went, yeah, so I haven't. Literally about six, seven months later, you hear all these things. Oh, we're gonna you're gonna do this, we're mm. gonna get you to do that. You go, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, no, no off you go. And I got a phone call. Uh, would you do a pilot for us? Can you come out to the uh, out to the studio and kind of just do a rough pilot? We have 15, 20 kids coming out, like just bring along your kids show. We're gonna film a pilot. That's how it came about. And then Ortiz says, yeah, we'll take that. Um, how good is it? How much do you enjoy it? I love it. It's right. a, now, it, it, that, it's, it's, it's called an Ortiz Junior. Now, it's, it's, uh, we've finished it now, but I have a new TV show on the back of that coming out, which is, um, which is for children with learning and communication difficulties. Okay. We're, we're using love, uh, which is the sign language for children and kids with Down syndrome and adults with communication. It's kind of simple, basic sign language. And where I'm playing Magic Joe and I get myself into all these kind of silly predicaments in every episode, but it's, um, it's a comedy thing, but we use sign language and love um to kind of communicate to the kids so it's that that but that came on the back of abracadabra mm. before i have with kids and the kind of zany character i can create uh doing kids magic um but um yeah so, so what a great idea that is absolutely but my, my 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 ultimate claim to fame i was i was this close to having my own las vegas uh no way something i don't even talk about anymore but back uh in 2006 I put on a theater show, funded it all by myself, based on my illusion, my love of illusions from David Copperfield. It was a horror illusion magic show. Nobody had ever done it. It was, it was, it was like I played this character that never spoke. The whole show was done to a musical soundtrack, and um, it was like really dark, kind of darkly comic uh, magic show. Um, it was big, big production. I sold my car, so I got myself a bit like I, I put a knot, put everything I had into it. And then the producers of Riverdance came to see me in the Helix. Right. Uh, John McCulligan loved magic, loved horror, came to see it. Uh, two days later, got a phone call and he goes, um, come on in and meet me. And I went, oh, I knew he was. This is Mr. Riverdance. This would be mm. pretty cool. And uh, he says, we, we'd love to take you on our books and put together a big illusion show. And uh, tour, tour. And uh, so we put together this show called Magic Macabre. And then one day he got this, John got this amazing idea. He says, I'm going to ring Wes Craven, who was Hollywood director of, now he's dead now, Hollywood director of Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, mm. uh, for, basically invented Freddy Krueger. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and uh, he pitched the idea to him. And we then, the show was then called Wes Craven's Magic Macabre. And we went over to Las Vegas in 2008, pitched it to all the big hotels, and MGM and the Luxor Group were just about to take it. And we got a phone call one evening saying that Chris Angel and Cirque du Soleil have taken that slot and we're going to go with them. Oh, God. And then the recession hit and uh, sure, everything happened. But it was, we were like this close to yeah. my own Las Vegas. Like you were talking to you, you're not just like, oh, yeah, we're going over to Las Vegas to do a show for a few weeks. They were like building a theater for the show. Wow. The show would be resident there and it'd be doing like six eight shows a week and people come in you know pay these huge amounts of money to see these huge big productions so anyway that was so close <laughs> damn chris angel anyway <laughs> um, i mean to be fair to lose out to cirque du soleil 
it's you know fair enough. They're they're pretty good at what they yeah. do. <laughs> Yeah, no, they do. They like it, it. It's a whole political thing at the end of the day as well. But we came very close. That's that's yeah. Cool. Um, I just wanted to ask actually as well because obviously we've seen a couple. You do a couple of tricks on Zoom. How have you managed to adapt to Zoom? Yeah, so uh, I suppose I was. I remember driving um when the news guy loaded like primarily I I do do kids magic and they do corporate events close magic and mind reading for corporate events that's what I was doing I remember driving whenever the announcement make Leo Racker came saying all the schools are closed and blah blah and I just like all the shows and just cancel 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 so that was March last year March April May I was literally sitting at home watching Netflix YouTube whatever literally doing nothing going oh my god this is just ridiculous like I I I you know I've never not worked like this mm. never and um then I started getting through calls and Facebook messages saying, Joe, can you do anything? You can do anything for the kids on Zoom, online. Can you do anything? My sister-in-law was on to me then saying, Joe, our kids are taking piano lessons over Zoom. Do you think you could? I didn't even know what Zoom was. Mm. And uh, I, I learned very quickly. And by the end of May, I remember I started doing started doing shows. Parents were asking, yeah, I'll do something for you. It wasn't even birthday party. It was just something for the kids over Zoom. And then I said, hold on, I'm going to do my, my show. I'm going to actually do a kid show. Um, and then that led on to me doing, I said, well, I'm sure you could do adult show. And it's mm-hmm. amazing me that the adults, I'm probably busier now doing the adult corporate events than I've ever been in my life because mm-hmm. I can, I got in with agencies in America um, over here. And then I got agencies are doing shows in the UK, Germany. I was in doing Google Belgium uh, last week. I'm doing Google tomorrow and another Google in Germany on Friday. So like, these are gigs I'd never get to do mm-hmm. because obviously for obvious reasons. So, um it just like i but i had to read rethink of how i performed and a lot of the magic i do in zoom is would only work on zoom and yeah like a lot of the stuff i do now like that thing i showed you earlier on with the esp signs yeah i i wouldn't do it in real life because i'd have to you'd have to have a table and i go around mm. and I, out of my pockets and stuff like that and um, so i just had to get more into mentalism so i started reading and talking to magicians about mentalism and mind reading and all that kind of because it works so well over zoom because you don't need to be physically giving people cards to shuffle and do all and pick a card and all that so it's yeah. an awful lot of mentalism but i had to kind of rethink but luckily i had a huge interest in mentalism and loads of books and dvds and stuff on how to so i just kind of went gave myself a crash course on on mentalism the kids stuff was fine because the stuff i did in rte translated so well onto zoom because it was yeah. on camera so it was just he was just learning the, 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 you know, getting set up and the backdrop and the cameras and all that, getting the lighting right and all that kind of stuff for the kids. But the, uh, the adult stuff was, was more challenging. Yeah. But like, like you said, it's, it's, it's class that you have been busy. And obviously I've been following you on Instagram for a while now and seeing how busy you've been. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing that you've been able to adapt across and it's, you know, it's that idea of not being able to do those shows to Google Germany and stuff is, is, absolutely true you know well um you would be able to do them but you start traveling and then oh, yeah. you know there's other stuff yeah. um but when you're not doing your magic then job we always ask this question too what do you like to do in your spare time <laughs> what i like to do is, well um i go on my bike i'm mm-hmm. very keen cyclist so that'd be me and the lycra and all the gear <laughs> my bike annoying drivers and, and, uh, and people in cars uh, i do that i have a dog I go for walks with the dog and bought a new house, moved out to Trim, and um, we uh, fantastic walks and forests. And oh, it's beautiful! Beautiful, absolutely. Mm. So that's to be honest with you. Like it's, I'm very happy 
kind of um, I don't have to be kept going all the time. I'm very happy just reading, reading a book, watching Netflix, going mm. for walks, chilling out, meeting I'm not gonna meet too many people at home, but even going for a coffee and that kind of stuff, you know. Um my brother lived in uh there for a year or two, I think. And the walks and the like you say, it's it's such a nice uh spot. Yeah. Um I used to go for runs there because I I'm quite I quite like running and uh you'd find these kind of new trails every you know and it's just it's so idyllic in that kind of spot in the center isn't it yeah it's actually only last week we watched um braveheart because mostly we shot here yeah. i was like oh, i only watch because i'd obviously seen it but i said i want to rewatch it now that i live here and go, <laughs> yeah. i know where that is i know where that is <laughs> um, i couldn't remember his name there for a second but uh mel gibson he was there he was there yeah um could you show us one more trick actually if you don't mind joe if you okay. have something handy there so um, let me see. I can, sh- yeah, I'll try this now. Look, at have you got a phone with you? Yeah. Okay. We're going to, back in the good old days. Now, look, I'm going to try this. This is a little bit experimental. It's, it's, I've been doing it at one or two shows recently. I kind of have to work it in a little bit. But okay. um, back in the good old days, I used to hand somebody a book. And I'd say, I want you to take this book. Typically, it'd be a really well-known book, like a Harry Potter book or something. People going to go, oh, yeah, I know that book. It's J.K. Yeah. Rowling, flick through it. Yeah, that's a normal book. I get them to flick through the book, scroll down through it, I turn away, get them to pick a word out of the book, close the book up, and I would try and decipher what word they were thinking of. Okay. Questions, and usually I'd, I'd get fairly close. Obviously, we can't do that. Yeah. So we're going to try something even more impossible, more impossible <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Wikipedia? I have. Okay, so your average book could have 20, 30, 40, 50,000 words in it. How many articles would you say are on Wikipedia? Have a rough oh, guess. my. Somewhere between 1 million and 10 million. Have a rough guess. I'm going to say six. Oh, you know something, you're a nerdy spot on. Go on to Google on your phone there, and anyone listening or watching can uh, can have a look at this as well. I want you to type into the search part of Google, type in wiki w-i-k-i count c-o-u-n-t dot net okay if you're watching you can go on everyone do it i'll bring you a live update of how many articles i'm going to get my calculator here in my phone here wiki count dot net okay and that'll bring you to wiki count dot net and just call out there it'll give it actually updates itself every minute how many articles are on wikipedia so you can see it there how many articles will say uh, to the nearest million are on wikipedia at the moment six okay so stay on that page there okay you, you you guess six which is absolutely brilliantly close right there's my calculator six million right yeah uh, if you scroll down it'll tell you how many words per article are on wikipedia yeah just call that out how many words per article where 1555 1555 hang on multiply by so what you say 1000 1555 okay 1555 equals 9.3 billion possible words in wikipedia now a lot of those stay on that page but a lot yeah. of the words are obviously repeated and blah 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 okay so that's 9.3 billion words in wikipedia that's an awful lot more than any book so if you scroll down a little further there you'll see uh, a link to visit wikipedia yeah when you do that just click on the link to visit wikipedia there okay i'm in Okay, so open the top search part. I would like you to search for any random object you wish, a singular object like car, balloon, tennis, okay. something that is not okay. obvious, that's maybe not microphone because that's in front of you, but something that you can search for. There's no way I could know what you are. So I'm going to get my little Sharpie up here. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm, and, I'm in. Uh, when you hit search there, an article should appear. Should it? Yeah, I'm in there. So quickly scroll through that article 
and just stop somewhere and pick out a word just very quickly. Some of the words are highlighted, some of them not, but pick out a big word, six, seven, eight letters, a decent sized word that's not okay. Like there is. Okay, have you done that? Yep. Okay, turn your phone face down. There's no way I can see it, obviously. So I'm gonna, I have a piece of blank card here, and I'm going to write one letter on the back of this piece of blank card. Okay. Now, here's a question for you. I've written one letter there. Can you tell me and tell all the listeners, what is the first letter of that word? Just the first letter. T. No, sorry, just the first letter of the random object you search for. The random object. Is oh, I'm sorry. Uh, S. Okay, he's got the first one. Okay, so there's S. So let me just write down. So... You looked around. Is now obviously it's not in shot that I can see. No, anything. it's not in shot. No, is there something in the room there that you found? Yeah, definitely this... not in shot. No, no, you definitely can't see it. Okay, so it's never as random as we think. I said you pick anything, and I give you a couple of examples, like you know, you know, camera, tennis racket stuff. But you found something that's in the room there that you looked at, and I definitely can't see it. But written on the other side of this card, I have one word written down beginning with S. Can you tell me and tell all your listeners, what was that word? Statue. Oh, come on. <laughs> How has he done that? Can I just show what, what I, I can? This is this. John Lennon, as a, uh, it's in statue form. I can't understand that, Joe, at all. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's, here's something that might even fry your brain a little bit more yeah you found the article on statue and you scrolled through it and you picked out a word in your mind don't tell me what the word is but you remember what that long word is i do derek would it be right in saying that there's no possible way that i can know what that long word is oh absolutely okay if it gets this we are gonna have to burn it okay i've written one word on the back of this card here Holding it up to the camera, it says statue. On the other side of that, written in Sharpie, there's one word. Derek, tell me, tell everybody. What is that word? It was throughout. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know how he's done it. I don't know how he's done the first one or the second one. Um, because honestly, people watching this will see that the statue was not, it's no way is it in shot. It's over here to my left. And obviously, the throughout is just bizarre. I uh, I can't understand any of them. But, Joe, it's been a real pleasure having you on. You've been great crack and great fun to, to show us some of those tricks because they were um, – I'll have to have a long think about them, I'll be honest. <laughs> this might not be good for your mental health. That's it's, it. It's, it do, you know what, do you know what? I, I would go the opposite way. I think it's great because it's going to take me out of my own head. And that's what yeah. we all talk about, you know. Yeah. Um Hang on for me for one minute there, Joe. I'll close out this episode. I want to get a quick photo with you. And I know, because I know you're, as we said, you are a very busy man, busy man but we really appreciate you coming no on. Thanks. Um, uh, thanks very much to John Francis for all his tech uh, help during the week and today and all those, you know, all the days. And um, thanks to the people who helped me get this done. Uh, my mother, my father, my grandfather, Jaron Calvin for the, for the graphics and the, and the music. Subscribe to your YouTube channel if you would. I, I re, if like I said, if you are on Spotify, listen to this, or Apple, please go back and uh, look at this on on YouTube to see uh, the show that Joe put on today. It was great. Um, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, you can follow Joe on twi- on Instagram as well. Instagram, Joe Daily Magician, you'll find me there. Yeah, and um, keep an eye out for the new show, especially for people like you talked about who have um, kids and adults. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, 
actually we'll probably keep an eye on that and maybe put it up in our own place when it does come out and we can get it out there again um, listen we're on Spotify Apple Anchor Google Podcasts thanks to everyone for listening I really hope you enjoyed the episode today um, my mind is blown uh, <laughs> Joe once again thanks a million no bother thanks Eric and to everyone else thanks very much and we'll chat to you next week take care bye Thank you.